Uh, there we go. That sounds a lot better. Good morning to you and welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio this morning. How are you today? I'm very, very good and delighted to hear that weather forecast. That's absolutely fantastic. What we've been waiting for, and I think the 1st of June is the kind of official uh, period of June, isn't it? The Met, Met Air and always tell us that. Anyway, it's the start of, of summer, I should say. And um, it's great to get these the dry weather now. The heat is going to be fantastic. And, you know, dare I say it, the, the drop of rain that we did get, um, there's plenty and plenty of moisture in the soil. So we're going to get fantastic growth now over the next uh, couple of days. Uh, so it's really something to look forward to. Last night, we actually... Uh, put up the 80 hanging baskets in Turlock community with the oh, Tidy Towns group. Brilliant. Uh, my dad at 87, Sean Orkin, was the first man up the up the um, the ladder to, to hang the first basket and, and so I suppose we can say officially it's hanging basket time and people are, can put safely, put their hanging baskets and window boxes and all their tender plants now out of doors so um, the, the baskets, the 80 baskets are beginning to flower so they're going to be lovely in about two or three weeks time certainly by the middle of June they'll be absolutely gorgeous so it's this is the time dear to really now and that you can see the nighttime temperatures are 7 to 10 degrees so no risk of frost so if people want to get their bedding plants out now I'm sure many have, have them out already or their hanging baskets or window box or containers now is the time to, to plant them out and um, things like the non-stop begonias and dahlias and geraniums and it, you've still got plenty of time to plant up hanging baskets and window boxes so if you haven't got round to it yet Remember that you can still plant those for another couple of weeks because they stay in flower from the middle of June right through to the middle of October, often into November. We're often chatting about begonias and geraniums still mm. in flower at the end of November. Um, so there's plenty of time to plant, but certainly um, get out there and start planting. I have noticed in my own garden that the, the slugs and snails are absolutely relish, relishing this um, damp weather uh, that we've had and, and the, the growth that we have had over the last week, they're certainly relishing that. So do keep an eye out on on um, on our friends, the slugs and snails, and um, particularly at night time, they're they're uh, they can be quite damaging, particularly on small plants and vegetable plants. Um, so I actually brought you in a begonia plant. I went into the garden centre this morning. I have to say that there's fabulous colour there at the moment. Yeah. Such a, you know, it's like a me in a sweet shop. They, every every place you turn there's another there's plant another, something another catching your flower. eye but I brought you in this one I thought it was really catching it's a yeah it's, it's it's different to the standard I mean I always think begonias are the kind of the blousy flower yeah. that's generally red I suppose we tend to associate it uh, with that colour but this is quite this is a little bit different it is indeed it's a, a begonia called bombina Bombina, and it's it's um, it's a single flowering begonia, which is brilliant for the bees and for the pollinators. Um, and begonias are full of pollen. Believe it or not, begonia flowers are actually edible. You can use are them they? in salads, and and yeah, and they're they're kind of semi fleshy as well. So when you when you eat into them, they're they're there's uh, a there's tiny bit of there. a bite there. There's a little bit of texture there, so they're lovely to decorate um, salads and that. But even just to flower, I mean, this plant is in flower at the moment, and it will stay in flower right through to the end of the summer. It's got very dark chocolate I'm just noticing that yeah. coloured foliage so that the foliage itself is, is really pretty and the flower then and this particular variety is a bright orange with a yellow centre and they will stay in flower believe it or not until probably the end of November the first week of December it's going to treble its size so at the moment it's probably eight, eight or nine inches tall it's a, about 12 inches in diameter but it's actually going to grow about a foot or 15 inches and it's going to spread nearly to a metre 
in diameter. Wow, it's so a stunner. Yes, yeah, so one of those will actually fill a big old terracotta pot or if you had an old black uh, skillet pot or um, anything like that. You can plant them in the soil as well and they do really well. Um, so it's one called Bombina and it's a really nice variety and I, it caught my eye this morning. I'm, I'm going to plant that in my own pot when it's I go gorgeous, home. It's gorgeous, yeah. But look, at the point is this is the time of year for planting your bedding plants, for planting your colour. Don't feel that it's too late uh, just because you see hanging baskets popping up everywhere. It's still You've still got plenty of time to, to, to plant them. A little tip is when you pick the plants in your local garden centre, albeit that they may be in flower, things like trailing bacopa or trailing petunias, my advice is always to give them a light trimming back before you put them into the basket and that doubles the amount of flowers that you'll, you'll get from, from the plants. And um, for people that have containers and hanging baskets, obviously, if we do get into a spell of really dry weather, regular watering is the key. Yeah, there. How, how regularly, if that does happen? Well, the rain at the moment has, has certainly helped. Uh, um, so if, you know, if your containers are out where the rain is getting at them, then that's perfectly fine. But often containers are up against a wall um, sheltered from the rain, kind of in that rain shadow. And just so keep an eye on, on plants because it's it, you can get caught out very, very quickly with plants, particularly if they're against the wall. So check them, give them a good soaking if they need it. Yeah. But certainly as, as plants come into flower, the watering increases. So generally speaking at this time of year, about once a week is is the typical watering pattern if you, if you don't get heavy rain. Um, but as we go into mid-June and into the summer, that reduces down to every second day. Uh, type of thing and, and if you've got really big blousy baskets it, it could be daily watering if you get really dry okay. weather so do keep a, an eye out on plants because watering is the key thing during the summer it's, it's the reason that many baskets fail because just of the regular watering and I'm very impressed actually with the, the guys in, in the Turlock Town do, Tidy Towns for Tidy Towns around the country um, have a look at their hanging baskets because they actually come with a an internal reservoir so they hold about five or six litres of water um, so I think the guys wash them during the middle, in the middle of the summer maybe twice a week at most because they're holding a reservoir, reservoir. water uh, and they're quite big baskets you'll see them on the lampposts as you drive through Turlock Village Very Speaking good Speaking of bloom and colour yeah. and everything blooming as you know the uh, bloom is normally with us over the June bank holiday weekend but because of Covid obviously the the physical five days of bloom can't happen this year in the Phoenix Park but the guys in Borbia have put together a fantastic lineup of um, starting Sunday week so the June sixth. So, so they're doing virtual bloom, isn't they're that? Doing, right? doing a virtual bloom, yeah, absolutely. And and people, listeners, can register for that now. So you can be sitting at home, and listening to a number of gardening experts, cooking experts, food experts, well-being experts, um, Include, get, including one poor Corkin. Well, I'm kicking it off. I'm, I'm I was delighted to be asked to to um, to to kick the event off. So it's starting Sunday, uh, June sixth at 12 p.m. So that's tomorrow week. Tomorrow week. Um, and our listeners can can uh, can log on now onto the Bloom website and simply just register your details, register your email, and you'll be reminded then of the event. And then you can over on, on the internet, you can join the session. They've also come up with, um, they've asked seven of the award-winning landscape designers to design seven gardens for um, the Bloom Festival this year. Again, they're, they're virtual gardens, but they have v- themes that would resonate with our listeners. So shaded gardens, seaside gardens in particular, gardens for exposed areas, um, gardens for entertaining. So if you're thinking of doing up your mm-hmm. garden for maybe an entertaining, family-friendly garden gardens, a garden for pollinators. So the seven individual gardens, 
beautifully laid out. They're available on their website, on the, the um, Borbia website in the Bloom section, under the gardening section. And so for listeners that are thinking, OK, I have a shaded area, what plants would suit? The whole list of plants are there as well to go with the garden design. Oh, brilliant. So if you're thinking of maybe changing a, a bed in, the, in, the, in your garden or you're, you've got a new garden to mm-hmm. design, and even though the gardens, are, there's a specific measurements on them, you can relate that to your own gardens. If your own garden is twice the size or three times the size, you just just uh, adapted to that. So that's something to check out um, on the Borbia website under the gardening section um, and um, well worth well worth the look um, and definitely register um, on borbiabloom.com for uh, Sunday Week's Talk. Sunday Week's Talk. So we've Rory O'Connell, we've Catherine Fulvio are yeah. going to be there. Um, I'm going to be joined by two of the award-winning garden landscapers as well. So we do a whole Brilliant. hour at 12 o'clock. So really looking forward to it. That sounds so interesting. I think lots of us will be uh, tuning in to that, Porrick. Now, as I said, Porrick, uh, no shortage of questions this morning. A luther of a luther. questions. Oh, that's such a great word. <laughs> Isn't it a luther of questions? <laughs> a luther of questions in this morning. So, right, let's uh, turn our attention to it. We're going to start with, I think, are these tomato plants? Tomatoes, yeah. 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 So, uh, a couple of photographs in lots of shoots growing at the base of some of my tomato plants and lots of leaves growing at the top now. Should I remove them or leave them another plant? Uh, the leaves are yellow-brown. I only water them once a week now, but watering every day until advice given last week uh, to a listener. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so, so really, yeah, we talked about so that that's last it. week. So, so watering once a week. So look at the, the, looking at the photographs here, the plants are roughly, I would imagine, about two feet tall at the, at, the, at the moment. They're obviously inside in a raised bed, planted in the soil. They're actually doing really well. There is one there that's looking a bit donny. Uh, with and and overwatering would definitely cause that. So just leave that one and let it let it come on once a week. And particularly when tomatoes are in the ground, you know, once a week is more than sufficient. If they're in pots, um, you know, they require a little bit kind of more regular watering. But definitely once a week, once every ten days. Now, you know, obviously the wo- the weather is going to warm up, so just keep an eye on that. Um, in terms of re- reducing the um, the, the lower branches. So what you want to end up with tomatoes, varieties like Alsa Crag and Shirley and Alicante, Moneymaker, all the kind of popular upright tomatoes, you want you need to take out the side stems. So where a tomato plant produces a side shoot between the leaf axle and the main stem, you take that side shoot off. And sometimes they'll produce shoots right at the base of the soil and they should be removed as well because they're not going to fruit and, and they're too low to the ground. So clean those up, leave all the side leaves and then just remove the little side shoots that appear between the leaf axle and the main stem and just take those out continually. Put a little b- bamboo cane or some string down. This listener has actually string used very effectively and just wrap the plant around mm. that. Some of them are coming into flower already. And once they start to form the fruit in a couple of weeks' time, once the, the initial fruits are about the size of a large marble, start to feed them with a liquid feed once a week. Okay. But the overall, they're doing great. And the listeners space them at a good spacing as well. And remember, you can still plant tomato plants at the moment. So don't feel that, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, sweet corn, those plants are available in garden centres at the moment. And tomatoes will fruit right up until October. So don't feel that you've missed the boat. There's still plenty of planting time from plants, not from seed. So you get a nice foot high plant in your local garden centre at the moment. Put it into a pot, have a bit of fun with it and... 
Yes, I, I think probably we've been talking about tomato plants quite a bit on the programme over the last number of weeks, so it would be uh, easy to think that maybe that time it passed, but yeah. it's not. No, no, no. no. And, and strawberries can still be planted and all the vegetable plants can still be uh, planted from plants and indeed many can still be sown from seed at this time of year. Okay, brilliant. Now we're going to move on to a problem with a newly sown lawn here, Porek, and again, some photographs into us. Very well photographed um, listener. So new lawn, please help. These weeds have come in the soil. We bought them into a top up Oh, into in the, they've come in the soil that we brought into top up. Sorry, lawn had not uh, has not had its first cut yet. What are they, and what can I do? Okay, so f- first of all, this is perfectly natural. When you sow uh, a new lawn, no matter how clean the soil is, there's always going to be weed seeds in it, and you have a whole collection of different types of of weed seeds here. They're broadleaf weeds, and mm-hmm. um, what what you will find, and naturally, as the seed is germinating, the weeds are germinating as well. When the lawnmower gets at these, when you give it its first cut, many of those broadleaf weeds won't tolerate the regular mowing. So this listener needs to trim and and the grass won't start to fill in either properly until such time as you actually take the top off it. So it's like a a seedling growing, an ash seedling or a beech seedling growing until such time as the top of the tree is pruned out. It doesn't start to produce side branches and the same applies to to this lawn. So my advice, listener, is to crank up the lawn more, get out there, mow the lawn um, the remove all the grass clippings, put them on your compost heap, and you'll find after three or four mowings, most of those broadleaf weeds will just physically die. There's no need to spray them, and generally, lawn lawn weed killer shouldn't shouldn't be used on lawns that are younger than six months. So there's no need to to apply any weed killer. Simply crank up the lawnmower and start cutting that lawn at least once a week from now on. Because the, the regular trimming, a bit like what I said about trimming the hanging basket plant mm. before you put it in the basket, that encourages multi-branches. And on those multi-branches in the hanging basket, you get lots of flower. But in terms of the lawn, you get multi-grass uh, stems and a thicker and fuller lawn and a lawn that's better able to compete with weeds. Having said all of that, that lawn is in terrific condition. Okay. So, so I, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's totally natural. All you need to do is get the lawnmower and the weather's going to be fantastic for that now. Yeah, that's great. I, but I can understand the disappointment to see the ah, weeds yeah, in yeah. the first instance. But it's totally yeah. natural. But all they're not lawns, that bad. All lawns, you'll never get a lawn mm. that will, that you sow the seed and there's no oh, weeds. Yeah. There's always a flush of weeds and my advice is always just crank up the mower and, and give it a run across and, it. We go. and take the grass clippings off. Start yourself a compost heap somewhere in the garden. Now, quite a bit of growth on hedging and I think everybody has seen that at the moment. Yep. Somebody's wondering, is it okay to trim and shape shrubs in the shrubbery at the minute? It depends what the shrubs are and um, you know the pruning back of shrubs um, is generally done in in terms of when they flower so it really depends what the plants are spring flowering shrubs so those that have been in flower were often asked about flowering cherries when do you prune them the answer is immediately after flowering. Same with camellias and rhododendrons and magnolias. All are spring flowering plants. Once the flowers go off, you, this that's the time to prune them back. Summer flowering shrubs, like our, um, you know, things like the fuchsias and potentillas, they're coming into flower at the moment. So if you do any pruning with them, you're going to remove the flowers. So it really depends on the type of plants. If they're just general evergreen plants like holly or pittosporum, certainly you can go out and give them a light trimming back. But I, I hate to see shrubs that are, you know... Too ma- manicured yeah, entirely. they're totally all just trimmed back. You know, it just a, a little bit of pruning is no harm and you help to thicken out the plant, but you don't end up with every plant looking... 
like a grade one haircut type of thing. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, a little bit of judicial yeah. pruning is no harm. If the listener wanted to send us in maybe some pictures for next week's uh, programme, um, particular plants that they want my advice on, I'd certainly, we can uh, recommend the type of pruning to be done. So light trimming back is no harm. Trimming, pruning in general is associated when plants flower. So you prune them immediately after flowering. So fuchsias are pruned in the winter time or early spring. Brilliant. Okay, we have photographs of a couple of laurels here. Yeah. Uh, one or two not looking all that hectic, no. Boric. Um, and the listener is wondering, uh, what will I do with this laurel? It's turning brown. Is it diseased or might the, uh, the problem be that it's in a wet area? Absolutely. And you can see with the, with the picture that there's a large bank at the back of the of the site. So the rain and the moisture is, is, is falling from that bank and collecting along where the hedge is. One of the plants is completely brown and dead. This, the ones either side are quite yellow and remember that we've had an exceptionally wet winter this year mm. so the water table is quite, was quite high over the winter and the roots of plants rot and we had that question last week with the Iliagnus hedge as well where the, the water level is causing this yellowing so really and laurels won't tolerate very wet conditions, particularly during the winter period, the roots begin to rot, you get this yellowing and browning of the foliage. So the listener is going to have to address that a drainage problem there. My advice really would be maybe leave them for this summer, in the autumn, lift the plants out of the ground, raise the level of the soil. So it would be quite easy to bring in some topsoil and create a kind of a, a, tra- a, a, a mound, mound of soil, mm. yeah, about a foot high, and that will certainly help with the drainage or try to improve the, the drainage in some way because those plants are just going to continue to suffer, to suffer. like this. Okay, and yeah. that, that, so it's, it's totally a wetness problem, no disease here whatsoever. They are spaced quite a distance apart as well. They're, I'd say they're over a metre apart. They really should be a little bit closer together. Generally speaking, laurel, 18 inches to two feet spacings would be the, the recommended rate. For listeners that have wet ground, then yeah. they're looking for a hedge that will actually tolerate wetness. Um, two plants, one hornbeam, so Car- Carpinus betulus, which looks like beech when it's in leaf and it makes a really good hedge um, and it's, n- it's not used uh, quite enough but it tolerates wet ground quite well good. so that's Carpinus betulus or hornbeam and willows, willows do particularly well and there's loads of different varieties of willows and they all tolerate pruning and trimming and you can make a fabulous hedge, hedge. from willow. Okay, oh, absolutely, that's maybe yeah. they're probably not ones we think of in no, terms of hedging. No, they're not, no, no, but they're, and they're cheap to buy in the autumn. You know, they're quite, you can buy yeah. them as kind of uh, bayroot plants in the autumn. So if you, had a really a big, nice yeah, if you had a big area, it would be fairly cost effective. And it, willow helps to dry the soil as well. Okay, so... so. Lots of Lots benefits. Lots of benefits yeah, there. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. We're going to just stay with laurels for a very quick second, okay. uh, Porik. Just This is a slightly different <clears throat> uh, question in from Martin. Um, he's got common laurels growing on alkaline soil okay. and as a result um, applies sulphate of iron to them due to a me- uh, just a medical issue. Can't really bend down any longer. Okay. Uh, and I'd say lots of people, Martin, probably can identify with that as we get older. Can I dissolve the sulphate in water and apply to the base that way um, and if so warm or cold water to dissolve the sulphate good question yeah great question martin so so first of all the answer is yes you can so alkaline soil or tends to be high ph there's a lot of lime in the soil so a ph of maybe seven or seven point five or eight and sometimes when laurels like a slightly acid soil they tend to be greener and, and that little bit healthier where they're on high alkaline soil or high limey soil they can appear a, a yellow and you get that kind of chlorosis in the mm-hmm. leaf. Now, magnesium would also be beneficial right. here as well. But having said that, uh, Martin is dead right. Sulfate of iron is acidic by nature. 
because of the sulphate in it um, and it's often given to rhododendrons and azaleas. You can mix it in hot water and let it cool and then apply it to the base of the plant. So it's a, it's a granulated powder. It dissolves in water quite easily, tepid water or warm water, doesn't have to be boiling water. And um, just apply that to the base of the plant through your washing can, Martin. And that can be done now and you could kind of do it maybe once a month between now and the end of August. Okay, give them a little bit of a top yeah, up. give them a bit of a tonic. It's like iron in the human body. It gives that nice greening effect. It builds a bit of strength into the plants as well. But what Martin is trying to do here is uh, bring down the pH level, the, the um, acidity level. Okay, um, now question in from Ellen and I think this question may have come in uh, last week, Porik. So, um, Indeed, yeah. yeah, so this is a mature uh, Iliagnus abengii, got partially uprooted in the wind, gave it a good pruning, top heavy, but exposed and roots back in the soil. I'm wondering, will it survive? So Ellen, we did look at that fairly in quite a bit of detail on last week's programme. So what I'm going to do is direct you to the website and our podcast from last week. And I think if memory serves, we covered it in the last 15 minutes. We so did. that should um, hopefully um, get your question answered for you there. Come back to us if you need a link to that. Um, but it's on the Midwest Radio website. You'll uh, find uh, it fairly handy there. Now, Boric Summer Bedding Annuals, uh, would you have any recommendations for a bed and something preferable Probably the slugs won't eat. Well, unfortunately, the slugs relish all of our bedding plants, our begonias and geraniums, and and uh, I mean, you you know that even eat the weeds in the garden. Um, so, like in terms of summer bedding, if you want something that's going to flower right through to the end of the summer, the plants like the begonias are uh, like, that we talked about already, and they come in single flowering, double flowering forms, whole range of diff- different types. Um, French marigolds are great, but they are relished by the by the slugs. Uh, plants like the busy lizzies give great colour as well. Look, pop into your local garden centre, any of the traditional bedding plants um, tend to do very well and flower over a very long period. In terms of controlling the slugs, use the organic pellets. The You can also get the garlic wonder, which I mentioned last week for the hostas, and that's very effective as well at controlling slugs and snails on um, on bedding plants. Now, um, we had a, a hedge in last week, or a, a bush, if you remember, Porik. Oh, yeah. And we had asked for some close-up photographs of uh, it. Yeah. I think we... Uh, we weren't sure. I think was it yes, a honeysuckle or something like that? Yeah, no. This is this is, looks like this is spirea. Just go in there close yep. to it. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's spirea with the white flower. They the did mention flower. actually a white flower yeah, last week. Yeah. Did. So this is so, the, and the, so doing poorly in one part and a little better in others. Yeah. So this is a spirea and it actually will tolerate a good pruning back. So there is a lot of green growth, but a lot of browning as well. So my advice really is to prune out as much of the brown wood as you can. You can do that at this time of year. Give it a good feed. The green portion of the plant will kick back into growth again. That plant has been damaged in some way, either physical damage to the bark or in some some way that the actual root structure has been damaged. But there's lots of green growth on it, so I'd be very hopeful. I'd prune out as much of the old deadwood as possible, give it a good feed of Osmo Pro 6, and it'll be back up flowering Flag again. again. Yeah, okay. so that's great. Yeah, great. so that's spirea. It looks like Arguta, spirea Arguta. There's a couple of different white flowering forms and... Um, Easy plant to grow. Okay, great. So, so there's been some physical damage there. It doesn't suffer pests or diseases, so there's some physical damage to the actual stem or roots. Okay. So prune it back, prune it back now, feed it, feed it again maybe in a month's time, and I think it'll come back 100% for you. 
So Kitty, very hope, hopeful. hopefully that should yeah. be of help to yeah. you. Now, can we ask Porik if Hydrangea paniculata diamond rouge would grow close to the seaside? My garden is very exposed to sea winds, although I grow the mop heads all right. Love Brilliant. the show, says Mary in Belmullet. Well, Mary, the good news is, yes, the hydrangea paniculata is a particular form of of hydrangea. Is that the cone-shaped one? It's a cone-shaped one. So the, the flowers are huge and it depends on the on the various different variety. Um, diamond rouge is a, is a red flowering form. They come in white. There's one called phantom. There's a little dwarf one called bobo, which does really well. Um, vanilla freeze, which has, it starts white and it changes to, to a rich pink, uh, a raspberry colour in autumn. Um, but all the paniculata family are, they flower on current growths, which means that they you treat them like a rose bush. So they f- they're in growth at the moment, you leave them alone, you let them flower, they'll flower up till again October, and then you cut them back to within six inches of growing, ground level. So for Mary and Balmullet, that's good news because the plant isn't physically there to be damaged during the winter period. So you can really prune them severely back around the middle of November and they come back into growth again. So it's a great, I'd highly recommend them, uh, Hydrangea paniculata. I have about... 70 of them in my garden. <laughs> I just absolutely love I have, yeah. yeah. All different varieties yeah. and all different forms. And I have a huge big bed of uh, hydrangea pelicanata in a couple of different varieties. I'm a big fan of them. Okay, well, I, Super. I, I do like Far them nicer, well. I think, than the, the mop than heads. heads, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, um, now we have plant identification time, Boric. Um So Mags has been out for a walk and she has sent us in a photograph and wondering, would you be able to identify what these so flowers this are? this is a rhododendron. Yeah, in, beautiful st- rhododendron. Flower, yeah, it's a rhododendron. And again, rhododendrons come in a whole range of different varieties that flower from literally February right through until the middle of June. So many rhododendrons are still in full flower and they come in a whole range of different colours, pinks and whites. There's some lovely, you know, like uh, Baden-Baden and, and Scarlet Wonder, which are real dwarf varieties. There's a lovely one called Shamrock, which is actually yellow, bright yellow oh. flowers. Uh, really, really small, small leaves, very compact. And then you get the bigger varieties like Cunningham's this. White and there's, there's a whole range of different varieties. Okay. So that's a rhododendron. Um, you need the acid soil to grow it obviously um, and again you know pop into your local garden centre they, they may have some still in flower it's nice to see them in flower to pick the colour that you want yeah, to that's to a real plant. that's a real stunner all right. Oh, beauty, I can beauty. see why it caught your eye Mags yeah. thanks uh, for getting in touch now what's the best time for it to move a peony rose well they're in flower at the moment mm, and they're absolutely them. stunning again this year the kind of cool spring has actually suited them really really well Um the time to move them is is in the autumn, early any time really from November right through until um, springtime. They can be moved. They don't like being moved. They, they, it takes them a couple of seasons to kind of come back again. Uh, but if you are moving it, it gives you the opportunity to split the plant up, to divide it into a couple of pieces, and um, you know to transplant it somewhere else. So leave it, leave it. And most herbaceous plants, they're actively growing at the moment, like rubecchias, hostas peony roses um, so don't disturb them at the moment leave them until the winter period mm-hmm. and at that time you can safely take them anytime really from the middle of November right through until March but remember with the peony roses it may not flower for two or three years until it while. resettles back in again Okay, lovely. And um, somebody wondering about the best tree to plant in a coastal garden that doesn't have intrusive roots. It would get morning and afternoon sun and it would be about 20 foot from the house. Okay, yeah, well, you can go, if you want something with, the the thing with the, with coastal areas, you've got two things. It's obviously the wind and the salt. And generally a tree that is planted in the middle of 
Ballyhonus here, the micro 30 feet, will only grow 15 or 18 feet in the best seaside gardens because the wind will have a natural pruning effect. So generally speaking, small to medium trees tend to be quite small or medium in coastal areas because you've got that natural pruning effect that the weather gives you. Trees that do well, that will tolerate soil, one is called uh, white beam, Sorbus aureolutescens, which has got silver foliage. They're beautiful at the moment. White flowers, red berries. Anything with a silver leaf tends to tolerate the salt air quite well. So right. they, they work really, really well. So Sorbus aureolutescens. Um, Crataegus Paul Scarlet, which is a red flowering white thorn. Uh, yep. It's red, um, very colourful at the moment. Again, it tolerates the salt air as well. Some of the hardier sycamores as well, the um, maples, the um, large leaf maples will tolerate. So it depends on the level of exposure, but the best tree of all is white beam. It just tolerates um, windy, open, salty conditions really, really well. Okay, great. So, Porik, uh, a bit of lots of identification. I don't know how uh, much attention you're paying to the roundabouts in Castle Bar, <laughs> but this question relates to Mulroy's uh, roundabout. Um, can you ask Porik what's the name of the tree in the roundabout at Mulroy's? Uh, in Castlebar, will I be able to get one? And would he recommend it for the front garden? Asks Colette. Well, if it if it's tolerating the the wind and and uh, the hardship on out on the on the um, N five there, it'll cer- certainly tolerate any conditions. Do you know something from memory? I think it's a weeping beech, but and I pass it every day heading down to Turlock, but I need to double check it. So I'll double check check it uh, later on today, and I'll I'll maybe come back to that question on on next Saturday okay, morning. But well, from memory, I think it's a it's a weeping beach uh, with uh, flower carpet roses planted around the base of it. Oh no, we'll have to check to see but how accurate you are. I need, to, you I need are. to double check, yeah. yeah. How well, how well you your, 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 uh, your, your ability to recognise things. Yeah, 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 of course you are. Of course you are. Should I give up my, give my dahlias and pelargoniums the Chelsea chop? They've been indoors up to now and they're a bit on the leggy side. Yeah, if they're a bit leggy, there's no harm to pinch them back. So take maybe six inches out of all the stems with a, with a secateurs or a sharp scissors, just prune them back um, they'll actually double or treble their size from doing that. So yeah, any kind of leggy plants, uh, certainly pinch them back before planting them out and do watch for the slugs with the with the dahlias in particular. Okay, uh, we have somebody in the Galway area a little desperate regarding uh, a red robin, I think. It's three foot okay. uh, for the last three years oh, um, nice. and uh, there's many things on it. Leaves are gone though now. It's near a lake inside a wall. Mary's wondering, should she give up on it or is, will it that well, come it back to life? Well, it sounds like exposure and, and Fortinia red robin um, needs a, a reasonably sheltered site. It's not a plant I would plant in an exposed area because it does get very damaged and stunted and, and the leaves get da- uh, scorched on it. So it's producing its beautiful red leaves at the moment but they're very sensitive to to weather and particularly if it's close to a lake my advice really is leave it where it is at the moment come the autumn dig it up transplant it somewhere else and um, it you know if you give it the shelter it'll be perfectly happy great in a pot as well I have a, a big six foot lollipop shaped one and that the head on it is nearly four feet wide and I'm, I'm amazed that it's still in a very small pot so in the size of the plant in proportion to the pot in, in uh, the one I have yeah. in the patio um, it's, it's, it's they do really well in pots and containers it's, it needs to be moved on onto a bigger pot but uh, if you give them the bit of shelter they do it really well okay. yeah. 
Now, uh, somebody gardening program question. I have a laurel hedge down in Skibbereen, West Cork, oh, at a holiday. Oh, oh very nice holiday home. Uh, due to lockdown, though, it's been neglected over the last twelve months. What would you recommend? Sounds Obviously, like people I, couldn't get there. Yeah. Sounds like I need to go down and maybe do the do a little bit of pruning <laughs> on that particular. Plant. I'm available for a few uh, yeah, days. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly with this weather coming. Um, so look at yeah. If if you need to give it a trim back, the trimming back will help to thicken it up, and laurels do respond to pruning back and, and this is a good time of year to prune them. Do check that there's no nesting birds obviously there uh, in the hedge because the birds are nesting at the moment so once that's cleared you're, you're cleared to prune it back and give it a bit of a feed and it'll be perfectly fine. Now we've rhubarb five to six years growing but stems are very thin. What would we feed it with? Well, remember that rhubarb um, needs uh, particularly organic matter. So in the wintertime, normally you'd put a good dollop of uh, comp- composted sh- uh, farmer manure or mushroom compost or your own garden compost if you had a, have it. I mean, literally a foot or 18 inches of a layer right on top of the rhubarb as it dies back. At this time of year, you can give it a granulated feed. So again, something like the a tree and shrub fertiliser like the Osmo would be perfectly fine. So hung- rhubarb is hungry. And when you get thin... Um, kind mm. of very thin stems it's a sign that it's lacking nutrition um, so feed it now with the granulated feed and then in the autumn and winter period in particular put on that organic matter and the rubber will just grow right up through the manure as it's decomposing in the, the following spring That's the way it works um, Now what's the best thing for blight on potatoes outside is that an issue at the moment? Well it's not an issue just yet but it would be no harm uh, for listeners to keep an eye out for it I mean we will get the weather's promised quite dry there'll be no blight for the next four to five days at least but having said that you also need a dry day to spray potatoes so maybe next Wednesday Tuesday, Wednesday before the weather breaks put an application of uh, potato blight control Bear do a very good one you'll get it in most garden centres available at the moment and do remember that blight can affect tomato plants as well tomatoes and potatoes are in the Solanaceae family so they're related they're first cousins and so our friends the tomatoes can get potato blight believe it or not So I suppose the leaves are quite are not dissimilar anyway They're not dissimilar the flower isn't dissimilar yeah. either, either. And, and potatoes actually produce uh, seeds or fruit at the top of a potato stalk very similar to a tomato but they're poisonous <laughs> so oh, don't okay. be tempted don't to eat them. them yeah no so going back to the, the piece of advice mm. so put on a blight spray I'd say less, next Tuesday Wednesday um, and then just keep an eye on the weather after that but you get a proprietary blight control spray um, in your local garden centre. Great. When to plant a cherry blossom tree and what are the best conditions? Well, the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for planting all plants at the moment. So with all the rain we've had during May, there's plenty of moisture there and with the temperatures, uh, planting a tree. Now that's if you can get a tree because trees are quite scarce are at the they? moment. There's been a big run on, on plants this year and I, I know we're certainly sold out of trees at the moment. So if you can get a, a cherry tree, it's a great time to plant them. Um, and again, Get the garden centre to give it a light trimming before planting, stake it well and um, it'll put on, you know, at least a foot, two feet of growth this year and flower possibly next spring for you. Okay. Can you recommend some evergreen flowering shrubs for a very exposed windy porch? Well, there's there's one now. There's Quite a, a tall order. For, for Anne. So what I would recommend to Anne is take a, a, a view on the Borbea uh, website um, and they have a particular, uh, there's a garden designer, one of the designers has designed a garden for exposed coastal 
areas and they have a whole list of plants that will tolerate wind and shade and so on. So have a look at that. Um, you know, they'll have 30 or 40 plants recommended that will tolerate windy conditions and you've got the perfect spelling as well. Uh, so, But plants like Pittosporums do really well. They'll tolerate uh, wind and shade. They're evergreen. You can shape them and trim them. Senecio grey which is a silver leaf plant. But there's loads of different plants that will tolerate uh, windy conditions. But jump onto the board, be a website and look at the, one of the seven gardens. There's definitely one there for exposed coastal areas and it has a great list of plants that will, that are suitable. And all the plants that are listed on the Borbia Seven Gardens are Irish plants from Irish growers. Um, so there's, they're, you know, they should so be available. They're not some exotic thing that exactly. may not grow because exactly. we live. Exactly. That was yeah. their brief. The brief, Borbia gave them a specific brief to design plants that are grown by Irish nursery people and available and should be available in local garden centres um, or, or the garden centre will be able to order them for you. Um, so I think that was a really good tie-in. What can I do with my camellias? They're yellow looking and they didn't flower well this year. Well, now is the time to feed. So all spring flowering plants, like I said, if you need to do any pruning, you prune them now. Camellias are gone out of flower, but the camellias flowered on the wood that they produce this summer. So if you feed them well now during the summer and autumn period, any time from now on, feeding them every two to three weeks with an ericaceous feed, again, you'll get that in your local garden centre in a granulated form that you can simply sprinkle on around the base of the plant or in a liquid form that you can pour on. But the key thing is to feed camellias and rhododendrons and azaleas and all the spring flowering plants right through the summer period because on that new growth that they produce, that's where the flowers will be born next spring. Okay, um, I'm looking for a ruby anniversary rose. Does the gar- is it, are they available or any suggestions? We, we, we do stock that variety. I'm not sure oh. is it in stock at the moment. Maybe ring the garden centre in Turlock Castle Bar. If it's not in stock, we'll certainly get it into stock for you um, if it's available. And again, roses are one of those plants, a bit like the cherry. And um, there's certainly stock there, but but the range of varieties are not as broad this year. It's just simply down to demand issues. Okay. Uh, regarding leaving the door of the greenhouse open, that's something we discussed on the programme again last week as memory serves. So keep them, Particularly now with the heat coming, mm. like leave your, your doors if possible and the window vents open 24 hours. Close them certainly if, the, if it's a windy night, but apart from that keep them open. Let the wind in, let the air in. First thing, I, I was down in the gardens into this morning about half six, quarter to seven. I opened every door and vent because you need to bring the temperatures down for the plants now as much as possible. Okay, great. Um, now, a couple of boxes ones. Um, so, boxes in pots need a trim. When can I do it? You can do it now. Yeah, give them a trim now. And a good idea is to put on the top boxes as well because that gives them a feed. There's a foliar feed in it and there's a fungicide which greens them up but helps to prevent against the box blight. The other thing to keep an eye out with boxwood um, is that they sometimes get aphids at this time of year. So, a small white aphid on the new growth and you, you, the plants will be quite sticky to the touch. If that's present, you do need to treat for that because it'll hold them back and it'll cause yellowing in the foliage. So do keep an eye out on that. But certainly trim them now. And actually, the little bit of trimming will remove those aphids as well if they're present. So rather than spraying, if you just give it a light trimming. And off they uh, go. And th- believe it or not, th- those buggers are there since last autumn. They sit on the plant as little eggs and okay. then they hatch out in the springtime. So if you give them a light trimming now, you're going to remove most the b- of those. The bad stuff as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, now, can I plant roses along a north-facing wall? It's partially sheltered. Well, north-facing roses tend to need a, um, a sunny, bright... If you want them to flower well and be relatively disease-free, they're better in a south-facing, west-facing aspect or a relatively 
uh, open area. Having said all that, there are varieties that will tolerate some shade. Um, so, for example, James Galway is a is, is lovely climbing rose which will tolerate um, some degree of shade. So it really depends how dark it is. Um, so get some shade-loving roses if you if you want to grow roses, but do remember, you they won't flower as well and you will have more disease problems because the leaves will be wetter longer. Okay, uh, winter heathers, can we prune yes. them back? Yeah. So here's a great example of the plants that need to be trimmed back now. Now, don't go too severe. Remove basically the old flowering shoot. So wherever the flowers end, that's the point that you cut your heathers back. Trim them back now with a light shears and give them a, a liquid feed or a little bit of the granulated feed and, and on the new growth they make this summer, they'll flower next winter. Super. Should my hydrangea plant be in bloom now? It appears no. to be withered. What can I do? It's the first year that's happened or is it too early to start blooming? Yeah, it's too early to start flowering and you will see them in garden centres in flower at the moment, including our own. And there are varieties that have just been brought in early uh, and, and, and fooled into thinking it's July. It's July. Roses don't, or uh, hydrangeas don't flower to the end of, of June anyway. And they are all slightly burnt this year due to the frost. Okay. So give them a feed. Now, we're going to turn our attention here yes. to a couple of photographs. These people have, Rebecca and Jared have moved house uh, and they have large plants at the front gate. They sure do. They're, <laughs> they're wondering, could you tell them what they are and how can they take care of them? Okay, well, so, so this plant is a plant called um, Formium or New Zealand Flax. It's one of the variegated forms. Um, great seaside plant, a great plant to tolerate wind and hardship. Um, and at the moment, it looks like they're roughly about seven or eight feet tall, probably seven or eight feet in diameter. Um, so there's no care really needed. You can tidy up some of the kind of tattered leaves or brown leaves, trim those off. Um, but apart from that, if you're happy with the plant, just leave it alone. If you want to move it, the time to move it is in the autumn, early winter and formiums transplant very, very easily. You can split the plant up into several different plants and move them to another area. And they're one of those plants that just, they're absolutely, they're a New Zealand plant, but they tolerate our windy open uh, seaside gardens really will really well and they're of course they're evergreen and they often form you know that initial barrier mm. to the to the breeze so I often recommend planting the green form Formium tenax outside your hedge if you've got some space and it takes all the wind and salt and filters the air so it acts like a big buffer really. exactly exactly and such an easy plant to grow and doesn't suffer from pests or diseases you know it's just one of those plants that <laughs> just keeps on growing okay. um, so, so Formium yeah, it is you don't have to do anything with it if you don't if you don't want to just keep it tidy and, and, and trim it up but if you do need to move it November is the time to transplant it now this uh, listener tells us that their holly tree is very shook looking oh, yeah. and we probably won't disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, so recently, um, a lot of its leaves have fallen <clears> off. Uh, they've given it a seaweed feed and only a week ago some Pro 6. Okay, well that's fine if they yeah. fed it. No, it is. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of plants showing this sort of damage due to the water table over the winter. And hollies are a plant that don't like heavy, wet soil. Um, so if that ground uh, got really wet in the winter, you know, it would cert certainly suffer like this. My advice really, there's lots of green growth coming from the base and the centre of the plant. So any deadwood should be pruned out and you could do that now straight away. The fact that you've used the seaweed in the Osmo Pro 6, that's perfectly fine. That'll give it a bit of a boost. And by cutting back those stems, you'll stimulate a lot of that healthy growth to, to grow and, and regrow back again. So it's kind of a temporary setback due to the very 
wet conditions we had this winter. Okay. Uh, stock uh, peat-free compost, is that available? Yeah, so, so we, we do a, a peat-free compost and we also do, um, Bordemone in particular have uh, produced a compost called Go Greener, which is actually made from recycled household waste. So they take all the brown the brown bins and recycle it into compost. Oh. So they do add some peat to it. Yeah. But it's it's um and I've actually used that's the compost I used in the baskets for Turlock Community. And I was very impressed with it because it holds the moisture really really well. So it's from our friends in Bordemona, great Irish company, and it's called Go Greener. Okay, super. Will lupin seeds planted a few weeks ago flower this year? No. Okay, that's that's fine. I'll just have to wait till next year. Um, this is my lettuce still in little trays. Do I need to repot them? I cannot plant them in the garden as I've cats that uproot all freshly sown plants. Oh, yeah. Can I sow them without dividing them? And when would they be ready for cutting? Well, they're, they're nearly ready for trimming at the moment. Uh, you know, and, and my advice with lettuce leaves is rather than cutting the head, it's actually just to peel the leaves as you want them. Uh, but definitely they need to be planted out into hanging baskets, window boxes, containers, something, you know, do up a nice window box which are with the lettuce plants, space them about six inches apart, keep it up in your windowsill and keep the cat away from it. Okay, we've got about a minute left, so we'll just address Jimmy's question very quickly. I bought these two Nemesias at the shop uh, Have and in their, they're in containers. Will they survive the winter in a tunnel and how much frost will they uh, withstand, asks Jimmy. Yeah, so these are two Nemesias, so the beautiful two lovely plants and really doing well and Jimmy should put those outside now for the summer, let them flower, cut them back then around um, late September, October and keep them quite dry. You need to put them back into the greenhouse, Jimmy. They, they'll tolerate kind of down to about two degrees. So you need to keep them in the win- in the greenhouse and also keep them quite dry. The other thing I would do with those plants is to take some cuttings. So during the summer, maybe in August, take a couple of stem cuttings from the plant and root those as well. So. They are a perennial, which means they come back year after year, but they're a tender perennial. If you leave them out in over the winter, they're going to die. They need the protection of the greenhouse. A bit like a geranium. Treat them like a geranium, but do take some cuttings from them as well. And remember, they're going to keep flowering right through the summer. He's done a great job, actually, putting them into the big pots and they'll be lovely. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Okay, so we'll remind people next week about the Bloom Talk, which is on Sunday week. But do register for it now. Pop onto the Board Bia Bia website and uh, there's a great lineup. And also remember the seven gardens there that you can view. Okay, so people will be inspired and no doubt we'll get questions on that on the programme next week. Porik, thank you very much for all of that. Uh, Stand by Michael Neary coming your way next here on Midwest Radio. The very best in country right through until one o'clock for me. For the moment, good morning to you. Have a great weekend.